Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Tim Fitzgerald here in Manhattan, Kansas, our football analyst, Brian Hanley, down at his home in Texas as we recap Kansas State's very exciting 31-21 victory at Bill Snyder Family Stadium over Texas Tech in a game that ended up being the battle of the backup quarterbacks. And while Texas Tech's backup quarterback looked pretty darn good, it was Kansas State true freshman Will Howard that won the day with a big play to Deuce Vaughn. He threw a short pass and Deuce did the rest with his legs to put the game away with one with 207 remaining in the game, a 70-yard touchdown pass. Brian, uh, first of all, uh, Skylar Thompson goes down, and I, I don't think the team really missed a beat. And I don't mean that as an insult to Thompson. I mean that as a compliment to everyone else. Yeah, well, the the offense was humming. And you know me, uh, old offensive lineman, if you get good <laughs> offensive line play, I don't care what I mean. It, it, it does matter who you have back there, but when you got good offensive line play, you can just plug and play guys in there. And they did that. You know, the offensive line played well today. They just did. They just, they played well. And, and like I said, as much as I'm going to bash on them, when they played great, I'm going to do the same thing. And they played great today. Um, didn't miss a beat. Howard, he, I mean, he, I thought he played extremely well, but I wasn't really surprised because the two plays that I saw him play against Arkansas State, tremendous plays. And, and I don't even know how he got in the game. It seemed like they just threw him out there for a minute just to see if he could play. And it looked like he could play to me. And then he came in and they didn't miss a beat. I was, but I wasn't surprised. I, I thought he played well. I thought he came in. He made, he had one play where he held the ball too long and got sacked. But, you know, that's going to happen. I mean, that happens to professionals. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can't really fault for that. It's just came in, played well. It was a really good team win today. Yeah, I thought the only time he kind of struggled was – Bluntly put, when Courtney Messingham got too conservative with the play calls and and yep. didn't really trust his freshman to go make plays, and when he had to, man, he made plays. He had yes, he did a, a big pass to Briley Moore. It was a nice read, and Briley Moore, the tight end, did the rest, running up the sideline, almost got to the end zone, and then the other throw to Deuce Vaughn. It doesn't matter how far you throw it; you still get all the passing yards, even when they run it most of the way. And, <laughs> And he figured that out early on. How surprised are you that uh, K-State came back and played a really poised game after that big win over OU? Or are you not surprised? You know, with good coaching, I'm not surprised. I, I You know, I, the coaching staff is the coaching staff, and I don't think anybody's going to be – should be surprised about the guys being prepared. You know, um, they although it's new – 
Um, I say new just because it's a year and a half in, but the coaching staff is the coaching staff. These guys know what they're doing. They know how to prepare guys. And uh, they bought in from day one. And if you're going to buy into what a new coaching staff is doing from day one, which they did, then they're going to listen to them when they say, hey, guys, that game's over, which I'm sure they did that on Sunday. That game's over. Let's look at the film. It's on in the next week. And I'm sure the guys, just, they, they uh, clearly they did because they came out and played a very good football game today. So I was excited to see that. And like I said, they, they prepared. They know what they were doing. They understand it's one week at a time. You got a big win. Great. Okay, now let's go win the next one. And they did it. Yep, they sure did. Uh, this is the Powercat Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. That is Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing, Willie apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free chi- for free shipping on your next order. Oh man, I I got to tell you, when Skyler went down, I'm thinking, yeah, this is so 2020. I mean, here's a kid that has fought through so much and got to his senior year, and he finally has the big breakthrough. Brian, I don't think he's going to be back anytime soon, if at all, this season. That, he came out in a sling, which encouraged me because I thought it was a break, so maybe it's just a deep bruise and a you know a really bad uh, hard hit on that uh, penalty. But I, I don't think they're going to go to TCU with Skylar Thompson under center. I think we're going to get more of Will Howard and – uh, you know, okay, let it be, and uh, it's it's kind of the freshman revolution right now for Kansas State football. It is, it is, and I mean, it stinks because, and if, I mean, watching on TV, you know, where I was watching, he didn't even get hit in his shoulder, and it seems that the what the injury happened is when he fell, and I when he fell and he put his arm out, the first thing I thought was he broke yeah. And you're walking back and the trick to hold your arm up. I'm like, even with the separated shoulder, they're not doing that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, maybe he broke his collarbone. I'm like, well, that's not good news. And I feel so bad. And you're right. Just 20, I mean, just 2020, he just comes and bites us again. <laughs> but gee, many Christmas. But you're right about fresh. I mean, you know, the time is now. The time is now. But this is what we've been asking for, though, Tim. Yep. This is what we've wanted out of Kansas State football forever. Hey, get guys that can play right away. Get guys that can come and make a difference right away. And unfortunately, this happened with an injury that we never want to see happen to anybody. But if you know, freshmen can play, freshmen can play. So let's make it happen. I'm excited to see it. I mean, they played well today. I mean, they did. I mean, they played well today. And if they're going to play like this, we're going to be just fine. I would agree with that. Let's see here. Skylar Thompson finished his short day at the office, 5 of 10 passing for 33 yards and one touchdown. Will Howard came in 7 of 12, 173, along a 70, which was that last offensive play on that touchdown catch and run by Deuce Vaughn, and that was his one TD through the air. Uh, the numbers are very comparable. I, I think K-State really didn't have a drop-off at quarterback play. Maybe the senior would have got them into a different play here and there. But I got to tell you, you got Deuce Vaughn, a true freshman, catching a pass from Will Howard, a true freshman. And on the other side of the ball, you've got Echo Boydo, who's, uh, you know, a redshirt freshman and really has been thrown into uh, the the playing rotation at cornerback with the other guys out. And he held up pretty well. He had two pass breakups. 
A lot of other freshmen played, whether they're redshirt or true. Uh, I'm just, I'm really, really amazed at how many of these recruits in in basically a year and a half of recruiting that have come in and are immediately impacting the program. And, And Brian, that... That does nothing but make me more hopeful for the future of this program. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better, Tim. Couldn't have said it better. It's just the younger playmaker you can get out on the field that are playing well is the better that the Kansas State football program is going to be. That is literally what the fan base has been begging for forever. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's here. It is here, and this is exactly what – now, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. It's a couple of football games, but you know what? They're playing well in these football games, so give them credit. So this is what, this is what we need as a, as a building block for this program because all it does is just say, hey, if I'm a freshman, go there and play football. Oh, by the way, these guys are still getting good playing football. They're still getting better while they're playing there. I mean, so I can't, I mean, this is just going to be the impact that this is going to have. If these guys keep playing well and keep playing is the the program is going to go to places exactly where we want it to go, that that's what's going to happen. Right. Right. It's, uh, it was a good day. I mean, it really was, uh, you, you saw Kansas state get tested. The, the red Raiders came roaring back with, with Henry Columbia, their their backup quarterback, Alan Bowman, had a ankle injury, knee injury. I'm not sure he tried to go, but he just couldn't get uh, loosened up to go. But I thought their backup was really good. He ended up 30 of 42 for 244 and two TDs. He did have the one interception that was huge. Uh, but they they rallied to take the lead, and and just when you thought maybe K State was in trouble, Jaron McPherson duped him into a throw, showed blitz, backed out got back to help cover and picked off a pass in the end zone. And it was just enormous uh, in the course of the game. But I, I thought uh, K-State got pushed in the second half and responded. And even though it wasn't good for the nerves, it was good for the football team. And that's yes. a really good sign in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The defense played lights out the first half. They literally played, just played lights out the first half. The second half, they kind of figured us out a little bit. They kind of figured out what we were going to do, and they started attacking us in places. They kind of figured out where we were. We were showing coverage and then backing out, and then they would, like, run a play directly where the guy that had left. They were running plays right where they were. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, they figured out exactly what we're doing. We got to change this up because it's not working. And until the end of the game, we didn't really get it figured out. But the defense played well. You know, they played well, and it's it's it was good to see adver- overcome adversity because you got to overcome adversity, you know, throughout the football season. And they did it last week, and that was just a carryover to this week. I mean, it didn't even seem like, okay, we got behind. That's great. They caught us. Okay, we'll go right down the field and go score. Like, it was nothing to them. And that's exactly – that shows growth as a football team because you're going to come from – 21 points down on the road against uh, a, a top-tier football team like OU, having Texas Tech come back and you're at home, okay, that's great. They're back. They came back, but let's go right down the field. Let's score. Let's stop them a couple times. Let's score again, and let's go home. 
And that's exactly what happened. Look great. Look great. Yeah, it is a very promising start in Big 12 play. Man, what a weird turn of events this season's been after losing to Arkansas State, which I, I didn't see the final score. I think lost to Coastal Carolina. They did. Which is They got pasted. Oh. They got pasted. <laughs> oh, my. That thing just looks worse and worse. But at the end of the day, unless we're talking about the national championship playoffs, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're just nope. talking about the Big 12, you're 2-0. I think we're going to see this uh, shake out if Iowa State doesn't come back and win. They're down 17-13 at halftime as we record this to Oklahoma. Oklahoma State and K-State, I believe, will be the only two unbeaten teams in the conference. Two games in, Brian. Two games in in conference play, and you're already down to two teams without a loss. Amazing how competitive this conference could well be this season. I love it. I absolutely love it. I know. Um, It is amazing. How difficult is it as a player? You were on some really good K-State teams in 97 and 98 to kind of keep that momentum going. Now you go to TCU. Uh, the Frogs had a big victory over Texas, and so you know they're they're playing some pretty good football. Uh, then you come home to play Kansas, then you go to West Virginia. It's got to be hard to string these games together, particularly when maybe the opponent doesn't catch your attention like an Oklahoma or Texas or even a Kansas, which is your rival. Well, the one thing is, is that TCU should catch the guy's attention by going to Texas and winning. So that would be the first thing is that, you know, they should catch their attention by that. But even when, if it doesn't, it, it's one game at a time. Guys are just going to go prepare for us. And I, and I can remember, for us, we had Coach Snyder. When you have Coach Snyder, there is no overlooking an opponent. That, that, that just doesn't happen. And I believe we have the same type of coaching staff that's not going to just overlook an opponent. Now, you may not play well or whatever the case may be, but I don't believe that the coaching staff is going to allow the guys to overlook. First of all, the one thing that he can point out to is that we're a couple of injuries away from not being a very competitive football team. So we have to literally, it's one play at a time. You know, we don't have the depth to just think that we can just roll in anywhere and beat somebody. And I'm pretty sure that the coaching staff is, is going to bury that into the guys this week, you know, and again, and prepare. And like I said, when we played with coach Snyder, that was a given. I mean, he was going to practice us hard and, and make us understand there's no overlooking anybody. So those were some of the toughest practices that we had were against teams that weren't as good because he knew that the way that, yeah, hey, we're kids. You're not going to be overlooking anybody. I'm going to make sure that you don't. And the coaching staff, I guarantee you, is going to do the same thing. This is a coaching staff that I believe understands preparation. And when you understand preparation as a coaching staff, that all trickles down to the team. Absolutely. I, I had some uh, players. I, I have some players I want to ask you about, but let's set this one up with what are your thoughts on the uh, K-State getting off the hook on the targeting calls? I thought the replay officials got it right. Um, each one of them had circumstances that didn't fit the actual targeting rule. Uh, but I also think K-State was very fortunate that neither Eli Sullivan or uh, true freshman T.J. Smith were reject- or ejected from this game because they brought 
some pretty hard hits that were right along the borderline of targeting. Did you think K-State caught a break there with no targeting, or did you just think that, that was no targeting? Well, I don't think there was targeting. I believe it was borderline and it was close. But look, it's I'm running 100 miles an hour, and I get the targeting rule as a whole, and I be, I'm a believer in it. But if a guy's bringing a guy down, Where's my strike zone supposed to be? Right. I mean, I I don't know. Well, I mean, if I'm going to hit a guy and a guy's tackling him, I, I don't know exactly where that's supposed to be. So I just hit what I hit. And, you know, I'm not trying to to hurt the guy, but what am, what am I supposed to do? It was the same thing. You know, that was with Sullivan. The same thing with Jones. I mean, first of all, he's a running back and he's running straight ahead. So you're running right at me, and because the guy grabbed you, I mean, too bad, so sad. That's football. At some point, it still has to be football, you know. And if you're going to run with your pad tie, well, expect to be hit. And that's what happened. Well, the guy got tackled, and he fell. Well, where's the strike zone again supposed to be? You know, it just – they got fortunate. Don't get me wrong, because I've seen guys get thrown out for way worse, way worse. So I believe we were really, really fortunate – but at the same time, I'm like, I'm with you. I believe they got the calls right because where are these strike zones supposed to be? And it looked like the refs kind of thought, okay, well, they're getting tackled. I mean, the guy can't just dive into the ground. I mean, what are they supposed to do? Yep. So it's good to see it. Man, T.J. Smith, the true freshman, he went full Mario Smith, which is a reference that predates you at Kansas State, another defensive back that would just yes. absolutely level people what would be targeting nowadays. But T.J. Smith walked the line. He stayed on the proper side of it. But, my goodness, that young guy can hit people. It is impressive. Yes. Yes, he was just throwing his body around, hitting people with reckless abandon, and I loved it. Loved every bit of it. Now, he's going to have to harness some of that because you can't, I mean, you can't, again, you're going to walk the line of whether you get thrown out or not. But you know what? If you're going to hit people like that and you're going to keep it within the realm of the rules, then I love every bit of it. Go out there and make plays, young man. I agree. The other guy I got to ask you about is, Briley Moore, man, is it good to have a tight end that can break loose like he did in this game? A 66-yard uh, completion, but most of it was him staying in bounds and tight roping down to uh, deep in tech territory before getting pulled down. That is a nice weapon to have. And honestly, K-State hasn't had that since Travis Tannehill was a, a pass-catching tight end. But to have someone that athletic, it's been even uh, a lot longer, and you got to go way back to find it when Coach yeah. Snyder was using his tight end like Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham want to. Bradley Moore is a game changer. Uh, I mean, he, let's just call him what he is. He's an NFL tight end. When you have an NFL tight end on your football team, that changes things for you. The guy is what we had just what you said. He's what we haven't had in a long time at the tight end position. You know, that's not, you know, bad-mouthing anybody else. It just means it's just not what we had. The guy's very, very talented, uh, to say the least. And we are fortunate to have him on our football team. Like I said, he's an NFL tight end. He is an NFL tight end. He can go and catch the football, runs good routes. I, I mean, and when you have that on your team, it's so good as a quarterback. 
my goodness, to have a guy like that, that you can throw and fit it in a tight space that's going to catch the football. I mean, that touchdown catch that he had today, tight window, in traffic, got beat up, made the catch and scored. I mean, it, it just makes the life for a quarterback so much easier when you have that on your team. That's going to make Kansas offense so much better. So much better. Absolutely. There were only 12 completions for Kansas State's offense. Deuce Vaughn running back had three. Uh, Harry Trotter running back had two. And Bradley Moore tight end had two. That's seven of the 12 to non-pass receivers. Phillip Brooks with two. Um, who do we got here? Sebastian Taylor with two. And Malik Knowles with one and a horrible drop in the end zone. Uh, yes. This is interesting. They're really spreading the ball around. And right now, Let's be blunt. The receivers aren't answering the call, uh, and uh, guys like Malik Knowles have to be better, but it's nice to have these guys to spread the ball around to, and offense is offense, and if it moves the ball into the end zone, I'm good with it. Yeah, you can, I mean, you know, we can nitpick if we want, but you know what? If we're winning and you're moving, it's all that, that matters. So uh, you're right. The wide receivers do have to be better, but – you know, if we're going to spread it around the way that we're spreading it around, then and maybe the coaching staff knows something that we don't know. You know, maybe the receivers, uh, I don't know. I shouldn't say they're not as good as what we think, but I've seen them out there making plays. But, you know, it, maybe this is what presented itself this game. Who knows? But I, I just think the more that you can spread it around, the more that, number one, that a team has to prepare for the next week, and maybe it, it will be the receiver's chance. You know, Malik's got to play better. He's just got to play better. That's, I mean, he just does. He's got to catch footballs. He's got to do more. But the guys are moving. We're moving the football. You know, if we weren't moving the football, I'd be a little more nervous. But I'm not nervous because we're moving the football, playing well, scoring points, and winning games. So that's – you know, that's it. I mean, keep doing what we're doing. Keep doing what we're doing. Make teams make us change. And who knows? Maybe we'll start hitting long plays down the field. You know, as far as passes down the field versus short passes that we're turning into long runs. Either way, it's fine with me as long as we do it. Yep, I totally agree. Um, Deuce Vaughn, the freshman, 16 carries, 113 yards, average 7.1 yards on the ground. Uh, with each carry, very impressive as K-State racked up 198 yards of rushing and 206 passing. A very balanced day for the offense, even though they were run heavy in terms of plays. And as we go to break here on the Powercat postgame show, let's hear from Kansas State freshman Deuce Vaughn on his performance. I would say it's a pretty big surprise to do it early, uh, as I have. I mean, I'm just taking it day by day, game by game, and just trying to give my team a great chance to win and they're giving me a great chance to succeed as well the power cat podcast will be right back this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. For K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories, Caddyshack Golf wear, Caddy with two T's. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, joined by... The old offensive lineman, Brian Hanley, played on the 97 and 98 Kansas State teams and now is our football analyst at Go Power Cat. Brian, um, we've got some questions here from Wabash Station as our users pop in to ask you some things. And I like this. Uh, he, exhausted Nihilist wants to go a little bit deep here. Uh, what do you think are the top priorities for Will Howard to work on in practice this week with in mind that he probably will be starting and playing at TCU? Uh, kind of what we talked about at the end of the first half there is getting the ball out on time and out to receivers. That would be the first thing. Uh, but I take that back. The first thing is going to be recognizing bad plays from good plays. If we're running the football, hey, if they've got more guys to one side of the line of scrimmage and we're supposed to run there to flip it over to the other side. It, the same thing with protections. If we're protecting, we're sliding left but they got four guys on the right, flip it over to the right side and slide to the right. That's going to be the first thing he needs to do um, to be successful. The second thing is just getting the ball out on time. Just get the ball out on time. That's the worst thing that a quarterback can do is hold and hold and hold. Know where your guys are going to be and throw the football and throw them open versus waiting for a guy to get open and throwing the football. That's the last thing that a young quarterback can do because in high school, it's easy to do that. But in college, and it becomes even tougher in the pro, but in college, you got to anticipate where the guys are going to be and throw the ball there and get it out on time and do not hold it. Let's hear from Will Howard now as he was one of three freshmen of the four players. Senior Eli Sullivan was the fourth to come into postgame via Zoom. And here's what he had to say about his performance. I knew they were going they were going all out man pressure and they were going to bring it. They, those those backers that were in the box had no there was I really had no doubt that they were going to come. I didn't think they were going to drop it all. So, you know, I just changed the protection and. Went full slide, and, and I knew Deuce was going to make a play, and he 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 did. You know, and all I had to do was get into his hands, and he did the rest. So you know, it, it you know I was licking my chops when when I saw that one on one matchup with Deuce and a and a linebacker. That's 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 a good sight to see as a quarterback. 
Okay, Brian, as you go into practice this week, if you're Courtney Messingham, are you looking at Will Howard now uh, and saying, I just have to open this up, I have to let the kid run the playbook, or are you going to stay pretty conservative with him? And that uh, question is from Wizard6294. I don't, I don't think you open everything up. You're going to plan, put a game plan together that towards his strengths. You know, so because, again, he is a freshman. You don't want to throw everything at him and having to have to change all. I mean, he doesn't have the experience that Skyler does. So he's not going to always know what play to get in and out of. So you want to design a game plan to his strengths so he can do those things. And even if he has to make a check, okay, I'm making a check to this based on this, you know, certain things that he does. Does that mean that you just limit the playbook? Absolutely not. But I don't think that you just throw everything at him because he's already going to have nerves up to high heaven just because it's his first college football game that he's starting. So you don't want to just do that. You want to put a plan together, build it towards his strengths, and just run it. But also lean on other people. He doesn't have to just always just go win the football game. Just be part of the win. He doesn't necessarily have to be the win. Yep, I agree. Uh, a lot of injuries in this game. I mean, we we noticed Thompson, but why King Gill looked went down, I think, with a broken arm or a wrist or something. So that's one less receiver. Josh Youngblood didn't play again uh, because apparently he was injured last week and none of us caught it. But uh, Gardner at cornerback went down with a, a look like a high ankle sprain. Lots and lots of injuries. Do you remember, Contra Cat wants to know this, uh, a game anywhere close to this number of injuries? And this is really getting worrisome. No, no. And it was serious injuries. You know, and and guys are spraining an ankle, twisted knee, or, you know, something like that. I mean, guys are going to get hurt. I mean, it's football. But these are just, they all seem to be super serious. Guys on the ground for minutes at a time. And I'm like, my goodness, we're going to run out of guys here soon. Um, It just... I don't know, but it all goes back to this COVID. It all goes back to COVID. I know people get tired of talking about it, and I get tired of talking about it, but it's the truth. When you don't have the preparation time, your body, even as young kids, your body is just not used to the pounding and the beating that you take in a football game and practice. First of all, you're not going to do that in practice, but practice, you just can't simulate game time. You just can't. And so when you don't have the prep time, this is what's going to happen. I mean, I'm surprised there hadn't been a lot more soft tissue injuries, you know, hamstrings and things of that, and calves, things of that, pectoral muscles being torn, that kind of stuff. That That is usually what happens with, like, but these are just, I mean, ankles and knees and shoulders, broken bones. I'm like, my goodness. I just... I know that happens in football, but it seems to just be piling up. This is getting ridiculous. Yep, I agree. Uh, Woodstock Cat wants to know this. What does Jacardi Wright have to do to be the guy to relieve Deuce Vaughn? Well, actually, Harry Trotter is the guy that's released by Deuce, so then Jacardi wants to be the guy that relieves the reliever. Um, Jacardi had three carries for 12 yards, and honestly, I thought he looked really good in this game, and I would like to see him more. Your thoughts? It's got to be a, maybe it's a, a play recognition thing because I thought he looked great. And I mean, he had one carry and then he came right out of the ball game. So maybe it's a playbook thing or something. I'm not trying to, to badden off the kid. I, I literally have no idea. Maybe it's a pass protection thing or something, but 
I thought he looked really good. I, I mean, I thought he looked really good. I don't, I don't know. I, I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. I apologize because I think he needs to play more. I would agree. Keon Mosley, the other true freshman running back, got some action. With Joaquin Gill going down, I almost feel like, and I want your thoughts on this, they might try to move Mosey out to receiver or at least integrate him a little bit more in the passing game because if Youngblood's going to be out, now Gill's down. Landry Weber came in and played and had a huge block on Vaughn's touchdown run where he sealed Mm -hmm. the end of the line. Uh, I feel like Mosey might be better suited and more useful as a slot receiver. Your thoughts? Well, here's what I will tell you. When I was a junior, David Allen was third on the depth chart at running back. And the first game of the year, we, hey, we need to get weapons on the field. They moved David Allen to a slot receiver. So the more weapon, and he caught a touchdown pass the first time they threw him the ball, 40 yards. So the, the more weapons that you can get out on the field, the better your team is going to be. So I am all for moving guys around to get them out there and get them the ball, whether, I mean, if you're stacked at this position and you're comfortable at this position, we'll move them somewhere else and let them be. And who knows, you know, who knows what can happen. Maybe they'll thrive at that position, but I've just, I've always been a believer. The more weapons that you can get out there, the more playmakers that you can get out there, the better off your offense is going to be. That's how all the big boys do it. And Kansas State, I believe, considers ourselves one of the big boys. So we got to do that too. Yep, I would agree. Uh, Also, Woodstock Cat wants to know, uh, we kind of discussed this, but this is very specific. Uh, The O-line play, did you see any differences in the way they played or protected between Skyler and Will Howard being in the game? Nah, there there wasn't a difference. Guys were playing physical, right? You know, they they played physical the whole football game. Nothing changed. Um, nothing changed at all. I mean, you know, guys were out there playing physical. They were blocking. Um, yeah, they, I didn't believe there was a a change or anything in it. Claws out, balls out. Oh my goodness, what a name! I uh, have some <laughs> has some uh, great questions. First of all, I don't even think this question needs an answer. Is Malik Knowles broken? Well, I, I think that question is self evident. There, no. yeah, we're uh, we don't know. I mean, we don't know, but uh, I think he'll get back on track. He also wants to know yeah. this: Does Will Howard throw a faster ball or have different spin? Because he noticed the receivers when he came in were. They had some balls go through their hands. Is is it just having a different guy throwing the ball making a difference? I'm asking an old lineman that, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, it can. I mean, you know, it seemed like he was throwing high, and guys, the balls were going through the – they were there. I mean, those were catches that should have been made. So I don't want to to blame him necessarily. They, were, I mean, these guys were just dropping the ball. Um, having said that, and that can change. It's not going to be a different spin because you're right, both right-handed quarterbacks. The ball's spinning the same direction. It's not like a right hand or a left hand. But it can be, I don't know, maybe different angles, different speeds. But just catch the football. That's all I can say. Just catch the football. 3G Wildcat. Um, and we should have noted this earlier. K-State blocked a punt again. Third straight yep. time. I think it's the first time a team's opened the season with three straight games of block punt since 2012, and Memphis did it. Honestly, I thought it would be a lot longer than that. Uh, it is a remarkable thing to do. 
What have you seen, 3G Wildcat wants to know this, from these three blocks? Has there been any similarities or anything that they've done uh, that has made this happen in particular? Effort. It's always effort. Nothing on a – I mean, you can scheme it up, but even if you scheme up the perfect punt block, if the guys block it the right way, you're not getting there. So it's effort. So, I mean, a punt block is never going to be anything more than effort. Like I said, you can have a great scheme, and that's fine. But guys just give an effort, you know, and, and getting around me. Because the guy ran around the edge to block the kick. You usually don't see that. You know, usually it's a guy steps wide and the guy comes through right through the middle where he should have stayed, something like that. No, he ran around the edge of the personal protectors to block the kick. Effort. That's all it was. And if we're, we're going to give that kind of effort, we're going to we'll continue to block kicks. Yeah, it was – it was incredible. I, I've long said that the uh, the block kick, the block punt game went out the window with those three protectors. That lineup where they put three guys, it's almost impossible Correct. to get around. Uh, it kind of impacts your ability to cover a little bit. But I think teams are willing to do that to stop punt blocks. And yet Kansas State's done it three times in a row and honestly changed the course of the last two games with those block punts. Uh, and should have won because of the block punt in the first game, but they couldn't really cash that in all the way, even though they scored a touchdown. Brian, this you've been around this program a long time, special teams. It is, it is so ingrained in the culture. Bill Snyder retired, and Ron Prince, of all people, kept it up. Bill Snyder came back. It still keeps going, and then he retires again, and now Chris Kleiman has kept it. It is it is part of the K-State football DNA to the core. They're going to make plays in special teams. You better be ready because you're going to have to overcome more than just offense and defense. Well, I mean, it's it's like they've dabbled something into the water in the complex or something that has made this, this phenomenon just last for 30 years. I have absolutely no idea how this keeps going, but you are exactly right. It is ingrained in a Kansas State culture. We are going to be good on special teams. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. As a matter of fact, we don't even really have to talk about it. We are going to be good on special teams. And it just never stops. It just never stops. And and it's I mean, if you can hang your hat on knowing and everybody I mean, any time that you see a Kansas State highlight on TV, you know, a Kansas State good on special teams. How long have we heard that? I mean, thirty years we've heard it. I mean, it's just absolutely mind boggling how good this program is on special teams. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Tim. I literally have never seen anything like that. I've been watching football that I can remember for 40 years, and I've never seen anything like this where a team has just – where a program has just been so good on special teams, and it's and it just year after year. And the names change, but the special teams don't. It's, incredible. it's great. It's absolutely incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And you know what? In postgame, uh, his interview, Chris Kleiman almost seemed amazed. You know, he said he'd never been around a team that blocked three punts in a row, three games in a row. And, and the, the, this is the kind of sound in his voice was like, I can't believe this. It's almost like he, he said, I've never really used this 
special teams like this before, but look at what's happening. He didn't say that verbally, but you could see it. He's just amazed by it. it it's absolutely incredible. Well, Brian, what a difference three games can make. I mean, we we were ready to cash this season in after that Arkansas yeah. State loss. We thought the, the COVID's going to be too much. The injuries are going to be too much. They don't have enough depth. They don't have enough guys. And all of a sudden, they go to OU and they roll out a bunch of players who haven't really played uh, either a lot on the field or in different spots. They were moved around, and they won. They came home. They faced a challenge. They lost the lead. They came back and won the game. Uh, they scored the final two touchdowns of the game. Uh, Brian, I'm, I am I feel scared to say this, but I'm getting a little optimistic about this team. What are your thoughts? I don't think there's anything to be scared about. Optimism is a good thing. That's all we've ever asked for as Kansas State fans is just give us a chance. Just give us a chance. We want something. Just give us an opportunity to be out there and to, to be part of something winning every week. And we've got that. And as bad as it was the first week, and I don't want to underestimate it because it was bad. It just was. It, it, I mean, the switch has been flipped. It's absolute 180. We're going the other direction. It's two games in the 12th season. We're undefeated. I don't think there's anything to be to downplay to that. Let's just keep going. Let's keep fighting. Understand that it's one game at a time. It's one play at a time. We can't overlook and think that we're bigger than what we are because, again, we're about two injuries away from not really being that competitive. So, and, But a lot of teams around the country are like that. So it's not just Kansas State that's dealing with all of this. There's a lot of teams that are dealing with this. So for us, we just have to continue to prepare, continue to fight. We know the season is going to be different. And maybe, Tim, that we have a coaching staff that can deal with adversity better than other coaching staffs. That's one thing to keep in mind when we're, de- when we're going through this season that's not going to be like any season that's ever been played before and maybe it will ever be played again, is that maybe our coaching staff is just better equipped to deal with what we're dealing with than other coaching staff. You've got to give those guys credit because as much as we wanted to destroy them the first week, we've turned it around. So it's time to give those guys their due. It's, hey, they know what they're doing. Maybe they've got this fixed. Maybe the first week was just an absolute anomaly, and maybe this is what we are. Maybe this is what we're going to be, and that's the future that I want to look for and want to try and want to, to understand what to be a part of. And I think the fans in general just keep pressing forward. Keep your eye on the prize one game at a time, one week at a time. But let's be excited. There's nothing wrong with being excited. Amen, Brian Hanley. Kansas State 31, Texas Tech 21. The Cats moved to 2-1 on the season, 2-0 overall uh, in Big 12 play. And let's hear from Chris Kleiman as we close out this edition of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast brought to you by Caddyshack Golf. Uh, what a great win um, by our program and by the guys and team. It was a total team win against a really good Texas Tech team. And uh, I told the guys, we faced an awful lot of adversity through the week. We faced an awful lot of adversity, uh, obviously, today with guys going down and different things. But uh, we kept battling uh, through the adversity, and they were not going to let each other down. And that's I'm, we're just going to keep preaching that to the guys that uh, uh, play for the guy next to you. Um, 
play for each other. And that's what they did. And uh, so proud of, of the fact that we were able to come back after being down 21-17. And I told the guys in the locker room, that was as, as great a win as the Oklahoma one game was the week before this was bigger because we had, a, uh, had to bounce back from a big road win. And we came back and played really well uh, against Texas Tech and, and found a way to win. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.